What's better, Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks? Whoa, not even close on that one. What's better, chocolate or vanilla? First service was heavy on the chocolate too, yeah. Couple sporadic vanilla. Apple or Android? Uh, sorry, Android. Uh, this one, I'll show of hands on this one. I'm interested in this one. Going to bed late or getting up early? How many going to bed late people? You are night out. You get it done at night. How many get up early people? These are my people. I love to get up. We, yeah. Some of you do both. Yeah, you're like, we're at the 11 o'clock service. What do you think? You know, you getting up early people. There is a 9 o'clock service, you know. You can... But, uh, all right, what's better, coffee or tea? Coffee. Tea, a couple of tea. Uh, see, you hear the loud coffee people? The tea people are like, tea, tea. <laughs> just laid back, tea. Day at the beach or day at the mountains? Both. <laughs> I think the beach won that one out. What's better? We have all these things in our lives. Sometimes when it comes to what's better and the word better, a lot of it's a matter of opinion. Coffee, tea, beach, mountains. A lot of it's a matter of opinion. And we can have fun conversations about that and arguments about that. What's better? Why I think this is better or that's better. But there are some things in life that I think if I, we talk about and we'd all agree on what was better. Not a lot, maybe, uh, but a few that we'd all agree. I think we'd have almost 100% agreement on what's better. In fact, I want to talk to you this morning about one thing that I think that when I say it, we would have almost near unanimous 100% agreement on what is better between these two things. And here it is. What's better or what's more important, people or possessions? People or things? I didn't hear one things or possessions. Maybe you were there, but you were quiet. I think there's probably near unanimous agreement that we would all say that people are more important than things. That relationships are more important than resources. It's true, and most people would agree that, not just in church, I think most people in general are going to agree to that. It's why every Christmas, uh, why Ebenezer Scrooge is such a relatable character to everybody, because we all agree that the way he is at the beginning of A Christmas Carol, elevating prophets over people, is a problem. We're all like, yeah, we don't like Scrooge. You know, because he elevates prophets over people. He won't put another chunk of coal in the stove for Bob Cratchit to keep warm, you know, to work. And we have a problem with that. And then at the end, when his heart changed and now he keeps Christmas very well, all of a sudden our heart is warmed and we relate to that. And there's something within us because there's something within us unanimously that says, no, people are more important than prophets. We know this because there's an uprising that happens within us when it's treated the opposite in our culture and in our world. When someone or a company tries to exploit its workers, 
maybe, you know, taking away health care in order to give the higher-ups these uh, exorbitant bonuses or, or exploiting cheap labor someplace to make a product to sell in a luxury item in this country that may be exploiting children and huma humans in another country. And we say there's something wrong with that. Or when something like what happened with Facebook not too long ago, when there was a big you know, uprising because all of a sudden they were selling users' data and, and for, for profits and, and uh, we found out, we thought something that was about relationships was really about just making more money. And somehow this surprised us that even though they call them friends, they're really just users and the more they have the more advertising dollars they sell. And why does that upset people? Because at some level we say, no, 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 it's about people and people are more important than profits and people are more important than things. It's something not only that's out there, but it's something some of you may have experienced more personally. Maybe you were in a job where a boss treated you not like a person, but just an object, just a piece of machinery, a cog in the wheel. And you felt, well, maybe they have the right to do that, but there's something not right about that. Or maybe you're in a relationship or were in a relationship with someone decided to elevate material gain over your marriage or over something else, and it fell apart. It's not just something that's out there. It's something that sometimes hits very close to home. It's because of this reality that even though we all agree that uh, relationships are better than resources, because of the reality that still at times we fall into that trap, that the writer of Proverbs in Proverbs chapter 15 verse 16 steps into that reality as the father is giving his advice to his son and says, better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble with it. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred of it. Better. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with. Now, if you're a vegetarian, I guess you got to change that analogy a little bit. But in the society it was written, he was writing to the father and the son, the feast meal contained meats. And if you were rich and wealthy, you were able to afford that. And poverty and poor was just vegetables and herbs and things. And he says, look, it's better to have just the vegetables and the herbs with love than a great feast with hate. I mean, this isn't anything too new. Any parent can understand this. What, what parent wouldn't want to, wouldn't prefer to sit down at a little table that's too small for you with a plastic plate of goldfish and a little cup that has water that's supposed to be tea and sit down and have a, have a tea party with your little girl as opposed to even the finest feast of meal with a business person where there's uh, hate and deception and tension and difficulty and suspicion. I'll take the goldfish and water any day over that. 
And this father is saying to his son, look, this is better. This is better for you to choose. The contrast is not between being rich and being poor. He's not saying to his son that there's some kind of innate value in just poverty and poor. That's not what he's saying. The contrast is between the choice. He's saying, the father's saying to his son, throughout life, you're at some point going to come to a crossroads, a trade-off, a decision. You're going to come to two roads and they're going to diverge and you're going to have to make a decision. One road is going to be for relationships with God and with other people. And the other road will give you more resources and things and stuff. And you're going to find yourself at that crossroads and you're going to have to make a decision of which road to travel. And at that moment you ought to know, he says, that better... Better is to choose the relationships. Better is to choose the relationships with God and people. But the truth is, even though we might all agree on it, we all at times make decisions maybe the other direction. Let me give you a story from the Bible that kind of illustrates this. I'm not going to read the entire story for you this morning, but it's found in Genesis chapter 25 if you want to read it for yourself sometime. Uh, or if you've never read it before, Genesis 25, you can read it for yourself at home maybe today. But let me just tell you, it's a story of two brothers. They're twins. Uh, their names are Jacob and Esau. And even though they're twins, they were actually born a few minutes apart. And Esau was born a few minutes before Jacob. And that may not seem like a big deal to you, a few minutes. But it was a big deal in Jacob and Esau's day. Because in Jacob and Esau's day, it was a very patriarchal society. And everything went through the sun. And not only that, everything went through the eldest son. So if you were the firstborn son in the family, you got the bulk of the inheritance, you got more than anyone else, you got the blessing of the father, you had the first position in the family, you had more position and you had more possessions than anyone else in your family. So those few minutes were a big deal. And not only that, Esau was his father's favorite. He was a hunter and his father loved that about him. And he would hunt game and bring in the game. And his father, he would cook a meal for his father. And he loved that. Jacob kind of got what was left with his father. Kind of got the scraps. But his mother loved him. Jacob's mother loved him. But whose mother doesn't love them, right? I mean, uh, a mother's love and a few shekels could buy Jacob a cup of tea, maybe. But he had cunning. He had his wits. He had an ability to pick his spots. And one day he had a spot where he came to these crossroads that I'm talking about. A crossroad between relationships and resources. And which way would he go? His brother Esau had been working out in the fields. Working hard and he was exhausted. Jacob was inside cooking. He was cooking up a stew. You ever come in from working all day, maybe you're working so hard, you forgot you skipped a meal, you were hungry, and then you come in and you just smell that food, like filling the house and your mouth starts to water. Now in a healthy, well-balanced family, 
here's what happens. You know, someone's got food, someone's hungry. Uh, before the person even says, I'm hungry, they come in, the chair is pulled out, they're sitting down, there's a cold glass of a drink in front of them, and the food's brought out because that's what healthy, well-balanced families do. They care for one another's needs and they share. But Jacob and Esau was anything but a healthy, well-balanced family. They were whatever the opposite of that is. So Esau comes in from the field. Jacob's got the stew. And he's also got an opportunity. And he's got a moment. And he's at a crossroads of decision. Will he love his brother and give him a bowl of stew and care for him in his time of need? Or will he leverage an opportunity for his own gain? And you might say, well, that's an obvious choice. Maybe if you have a good relationship with your family. But if you don't, maybe you can say, well, that's not an obvious choice. I'm not sure what I would do in that moment. And into that place, I think, comes Proverbs chapter 15, verse 17, that says, better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fattened ox and hatred with it. Father telling the son. It's almost like the father had this story in mind when he's telling the son. Look, choose relationships over resources. Choose, choose people over meals. And so what would Jacob do? Well, if you don't know the story, let me just tell you, Jacob did offer his brother a bowl of stew if Esau would give him his birthright. He said, oh yeah, you, you can have a bowl of stew. All you've got to do is sign over your birthright as the firstborn in our family. And so that would mean that Jacob would then get the larger inheritance. And that Jacob would become the one who inherits most of his father's possessions. And he would get the firstborn position in the family. Jacob, when he came to this crossroads, says, no, I'm going to take the resources. I'm going to take the things. I'm going to take the possessions. And who cares what it does to the relationship with my brother or my family? Because I want this stuff. And then Esau has a decision, right? What's he going to do? He doesn't have to take the deal. I mean, he could say, oh, I'm hungry, but not that hungry. You know, I'm going to go someplace else. You know, I'll wait. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, no way. It's not worth it. That's a crazy deal. But Esau says, no, I'll take your deal. I want your bowl of stew. And I don't care about my birthright. In fact, he says, what good is the birthright to me when he's hungry and starving? And so he takes it and takes the bowl of stew and trades his birthright, trades his position in the family, trades his relationship with his father as his firstborn for a bowl of stew. And we shake our heads at Jacob and say he was so selfish and we look down upon Esau and think he's so foolish. Why would they trade relationships for money and a bowl of stew? The truth is you and I trade our most important relationships for things of far less value every day. Some of you have seen this happen within your own family. 
Some of you have seen it happen with possessions or inheritance or other difficulties that you thought, well, nothing's going to come between us and our family. And yet today you have strained relationships and difficulties and trials. The question is not, do we do this? Because we do. The question is, what do we really believe is better? Do we really believe that what God offers us in himself, in his presence, the relationship with God and the relationships with others is better than what the things of this world and the stuff of this world can give us? And of course, we all say, yes, yes, pastor, I get it. Move on. It's not me. Let me just throw out a couple questions for us to consider today. Find out maybe is there a piece of this that's within us. Let me ask you a couple questions. One is, first question, do I regularly choose time with God in my life when I could be doing something that could improve my income or comfort in life? Uh, Do I regularly choose to say, you know, I'm going to spend this time with God and it's non-negotiable when I could get an extra hour in at the office, get an extra project done around the house, shop a little more on Amazon, do something that's going to make my life a little more comfortable, but instead I say, no God, I'm going to spend time in your presence because that's better. Because it's better. Or do I rather say, I don't have time for prayer in the Lord this morning. I got to get to work early. Now I understand, look, I understand that in a room like this and on a day like this, there's certainly people here that you're saying, hey, pastor, give me a break. I'm working three jobs. We're just paying the bills. We're just making ends meet. I'm not doing it to, you know, have a second summer home or or anything else like that. I'm just doing it to pay the bills. I understand. But I also would ask is, are there times that we would make time for things and still say we don't have time for God? whatever those things might be in our lives. I think there's probably still, even the one among us that's working the most hours just to make ends meet, you're not working 80 hours a week to, to, to live this luxurious life. You're just doing it to make ends meet. And still all of us have some discretionary time that we would say, how would we spend that? What's better? What's better? Or other questions, do I regularly do things in life because of my love of God that cost me something? Do I only offer God things that cost me nothing? Or when was the last time you gave something away without anyone knowing about it? And you say, well, what does that have to do with it? What does that have to do with anything? Because I think sometimes when we fail to ever be generous anonymously, it may be because we have an unhealthy relationship with our stuff and our money. Because if I'm going to give something away, I want a little credit for it. I want someone to know that I'm doing it. And then maybe I'll give something away. But Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, said, your father who sees what's done in secret will reward you. And so there's some kind of relationship there between the things I do in secret and God blessing me. 
But if I never am in a position where I give things away without anybody knowing about it, it may be because I have an unhealthy relationship with my things. Just a question. Another one, do I find myself getting overly angry when someone accidentally breaks or damages my stuff? This one, to me, of all like questions, probably hits a little close to home. I have, um, uh, Wendy might say, an overly cautious and careful relationship with my things sometimes. Um, and I am usually pretty careful with things I have and I own. And so when someone, even a loved one, maybe perhaps even an offspring, <laughs> is less careful and cautious with things I own. I may have a tendency to be less patient with those people. And yet I read this and I think about this, and even this week I consider this in my life, and I say, what's more important? What's better? To hinder and break a relationship or... Something over what? Stuff and things? What's better? Do I really believe the relationship is better when I overly react and get angry about some broken plastic? What's better? Do I neglect time with actual people for time with a device or a screen? Because if I really believe that relationships are important and relationships are better, do I ever neglect time? I mean, imagine if I spent the whole sermon preaching my sermon like this. I mean, how foolish would that be and how disrespectful would that be to you and how many times do we have conversations with people like this? And yet we would all say, no, people are more important than things. People are more important than prophets. Father says to the son, you're going to find yourself at this crossroads. And as obvious as this sounds, you're going to be tempted to go a different direction. How much time, how much of my final question, how much of my possessions are luxuries requiring me to work more for things I could live without? How much of my life is filled with luxuries requiring me to work more for things I could live without? Could it be that I'm making a trade-off in that place? Doesn't always mean that. I'm just asking. In your own heart, in your own spirit, are you making a trade-off? Because we'd all say we never do it. We don't do it. We don't believe in it. And yet, maybe we do. Maybe we do it more than we realize. Jesus actually found himself at this crossroads at one point when he was on earth. It was at the very beginning of his ministry. And he had been fasting for 40 days. And just before he was about to begin ministry, the devil himself came to him. We have this account. And the devil offers him, he says, offers him food and power and authority. And all he has to do is forsake his relationship with God the Father and forsake his mission to the world to reconcile humanity, bow down to Satan. He actually offers him this crossroads. 
You can have resources, positions, and possessions. All you got to do is leave your relationships that are most important to you. And Jesus doesn't take the bait. But I'll tell you, Satan hasn't stopped making the offer. And not to Jesus, but to Jesus' followers. Not to Christ, but to Christians. Satan continues to make the offer. Hey, why don't you forsake those most important relationships in your life? And in exchange, look what you can have. Comfort and ease. More money. More stuff. And that'll bring you what you're really looking for. Father says it's one point or another. You're going to stand at this crossroads. Maybe it looks like a job position slid across the table to you. Maybe it looks like a promotion. Maybe it looks like something else. Maybe it's just as simple as a decision that you make of how you spend your time tomorrow or even this afternoon. But we're constantly faced with this decision and we fail at it all the time, which is why I need Jesus, who never failed at it, to be my Savior, my Lord, and the one I can put my faith and trust in so that his life of faithfulness through my faith in him is given to me even in the midst of my faithlessness to carry this out. That's the offer. That's the good news. That's the gospel. Some of you this morning, right now, as we listen to this, I think we're buying into the lie that a bit more money or a bowl of stew is more valuable than our relationship with God or our family or others. We never say it, of course, because we all agree that God and people are more important, but we live it. We know that it's not true. We know that it's not true because anyone you've talked to at the end of their life, and I've talked to a few, just in my role, and maybe I talked to a few more than you, maybe not. Maybe you have a role in a hospital or a doctor situation. Maybe, maybe you talk to people at the end of their life too a lot. I have never, and you know it, it's almost cliche for me to say it. Not one of them has talked about the possessions they wish they had, the things they wish they had, what to do with the things in my life. But multiple times, there's a relationship that needs to be repaired. Or there's people that they wish they had spent more time with. Or people they still need to say some words to. Or the people they're concerned about are going to be left after them. We know it's true that people are more important than possessions. Yet none of us know when that last day of our lives is going to be. None of us know whether it's today or tomorrow. So why would we wait any longer to prioritize those people and those relationships in our lives? We say we don't have time for God, but we have plenty of time. We just prioritize the pursuit of other things over God. We choose work and screens and entertainment over spouses, children, grandchildren, and friends. And Jesus asks this question. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Mark 8, 36. And it asks this question to us. What does it profit? So you gain all the stuff you ever wanted. 
You get all the positions and all the possessions you ever could dream of. Jesus says, what is a profit? You've gained the world. But what about your soul? Because here's the reality and here's the danger of it all. The danger of it is 1 Timothy 6.10. The danger of it is what Paul says in 1 Timothy 6.10. For the love of money, again, it's not money, it's the love of money, is a root of all kinds of evils. It's through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. There's one thing I want you to see in that. We sometimes are familiar with that first part, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evils. But it's the second part of that verse that I want us to consider this morning. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith. See, that's what's on the line. When we start treating resources and things and possessions and positions as more important than God or people, we start ourselves down a path that wanders away from the faith. That wanders away from God. And why does that happen? Quite simply because the God way, the Jesus way, the Christian way, isn't the possessions and things way. Because the first two commands that God gives when Jesus has asked what's most important, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love God, love people. Relationship with God, relationship with people. There was no third one that said, and the third is like unto it. Pursue, pos pursue possessions and things in this world to get your happiness. So when you start going down the road that organizes your life uh, with a goal of possessions and positions and things, you start diverging from the Christian Christ-following road that says it's about God and people. And so what's really on the line is your soul. What's really on the line is whether you will pursue God or pursue things, and whether you will wander away from the faith. When the path splits and resources go one way, and relationship with God and others goes the other, it's always better to choose relationships. It's always better to choose relationships over resources. Some of you might be frustrated in your relationships. And I'd ask you to consider this morning, is it because this part of your life is out of order? Are you frustrated in your marriage because at some point along the line, one of you or both of you said, I'll take the bowl of stew over the relationship? Are you frustrated in your family life and with relationships with people you love because at some point someone said, no, I'll take the bowl of stew over this relationship of love. And we make these choices all the time and God says in his wisdom, that's not better. When it comes to it down the road, what's better is to choose relationship with God and relationship with others over treasure and the comforts of this world. Let's pray. I'm going to ask our worship team to come back. And would you take a moment just to close your eyes and consider this in your heart. 
And we're all at different places on an issue like this. Some of you, you hear this this morning and the Holy Spirit's already speaking to you and already saying that decision you made, that decision you made, that trade-off you made, you need to go back and you need to change that because that's not the road you want to travel. Some of you are young people in here and you're just heading out on the road on your own. And you're about, to, you're about to set out in your career. You're about to set out on a path. You're about to launch out and have your own place and have your own career and have your, make your own money. And you're going to be faced with this choice. And what seems easy on a Sunday morning sitting in church is much harder on a Monday or a Tuesday in the workplace. And I ask you in this moment at this time that you will commit or recommit to say, no, the most important things in my life are God, my love for Him, and the people that God has placed in my life. And I will never put things or possessions or positions in front of that. And we None of us think we ever make that mistake. But we all sometimes make that trade-off when we're faced with that decision. And so God, help us to see those places in our lives. Search us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would guide us and lead us, Lord, in this time. Father, what an incredible testimony it would be of a church that places you first and is generous to others. Lord, rather than what's often makes the news, and that's a church that gets greedy or cares more about money and possessions and things than it does people. And it, it makes the news every time because even the world knows that's not how a church is supposed to be. That's not how Christians are supposed to be. That's not how Christ followers are supposed to be. And so, Lord, make us into a people that walk in wisdom, prioritizing a relationship with God, a relationship with people over the other things that can be offered to us in this world, Lord. So, God, even as we sing this song, I pray that you would search our hearts by your Holy Spirit and show us any place within us where we have come to that crossroads and made the wrong decision. Lord, bring us to a place of repentance, forgiveness, and Lord, to, from this moment on, commit to following you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving the people around us as you would love them through us. In Jesus' name.